Hi everyone, Paul here once again. This time I'm here to give you my somewhat belated thoughts on AEW Revolution. The first match was Ricky Starks versus Chris Jericho with the Jericho Appreciation Society banned from ringside. Now, I have to say that this was pretty weird considering the end of the match where Sammy Guevara, who is a member of the Jericho Appreciation Society, ran down to ringside only to be stopped by Action Andretti. Starks came out with his ribs taped and DDP, this was not. They looked really bad. It looked really, really bad. They could have really done another pass on that. But it was a decent match. I, I quite enjoyed it. Jericho putting over the younger guy, which is always good to see. And I'm just hoping that's the end of this feud and, and everyone can move on to other stuff. But as I said in my predictions, it's gone too long. There was a nice spot where Starks blocked the Judas effect, which I, I think the first time anybody's done that, which is uh, quite the thing for him to be doing. Looked pretty good, actually. It'll be surprising if that move sticks around because it looked quite easy to do, to be honest. Next, we had Jungle Boy Jack Perry taking on Christian Cage in a casket match. This was pretty good. and It stuck to the storyline where Jungle Boy was having to confront himself and try and toughen himself up. And obviously, Christian came out wearing a ridiculous outfit where he had a turtleneck on his, on his ring gear. The problem I had with this match is it wasn't just a casket match, it was called the final burial match. So it had some elements of hardcore stuff in it. I know that's the story they were trying to portray, that you know Jungle Boy has some has got to get the killer instinct, the eye of the tiger, if you will. But considering what else went on this show, and other hardcore stuff just felt like a bit of an overkill thing. I mean, this was the first the first one of those type of things, but you've got a Moxley match coming up. You know that kind of thing is gonna happen. And I just thought it kind of blunted some of that for me. But it was decent, and you know I'm glad to see Christian back. I wonder if this is writing him off personally, but uh, good for Jungle Boy to get the victory. That's two people that should have had victories that got them, so that's good to see. And then we'll be on to the next match. That match is, of course, the Elite versus the House of Black. And it was one of those really cool matches that the Elite do, trios matches... Again, they're not really my thing. Like The crowd were already chanting, this is awesome, before anything could happen. That really annoys me sometimes. And the Young Bucks did their thing where they should probably go for a pin and try and win. But then they do like three Meltzer drivers and stuff like that. And that's what takes me out of their matches. I'm usually enjoying them until I notice, like, oh, that could have been the end. Or that could have been it. Or you can try something. But again, the House of Black are now Trio's champions. They won. It was a good match. There was a lot of near falls and breakups, but again, I think this is the correct choice for the next group to hold the trio's titles. They've been hot shotted about a bit, so I hope they stay in the House of Black. But this frees Kenny up, and I think Kenny's more useful at the moment in a singles manner. I think he could be more useful as, say, a challenger at MJF, or rerun his stuff with Danielson, or Hangman, or work with someone to bring them up to another level. I think Kenny's got more value as a singles guy. The only problem with that is, of course, the Young Bucks are left with nothing to do, so they will probably be going after the tag belts, which they'll probably end up getting. And speaking of the tag titles, they're not next. No, we have the triple threat for the women's title. This is Soraya versus Ruby Soho versus Jamie Hayter. This was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. The crowd were a little burnt out from the trios match, so it kind of gave them a chance to slow down. But I actually thought everyone worked hard in the match. Uh, Soraya wasn't as bad as I feared she was going to be. I don't. I still think she was the weakest in the match, but I think she's starting to work off some of that ring rust I was talking about in my prediction show. And the crowd was solidly behind Ruby and Jamie, so that's good. Maybe I'm wrong about this woman's storyline. Because it did sort of come together. People did care. 
And at the end of the match, which Jamie Hayter won after a lot of near falls, Ruby turned on AEW and joined up with Tony Storm and Soraya. So that makes their team like a three-person team, and I'm beginning to think maybe this is going to turn into a blood and guts match for the women, which would be pretty cool to see. I mean, they've had some really good hardcore brawls and things that have been surprising. But again, positive moves on the story. You know, it's it's how it's got to go. I think that's one thing, as I said in my predictions, that AEW haven't been doing well, but this show's kind of trying to right the ship, which is good. Then we come to the Texas Death Match, which wasn't a Texas Death Match. A Texas Death Match is a last man standing match where you have to pin the opponent before the 10 count starts. This was not a Texas Death Match. It was just a Death Match, and it didn't even take place in Texas, so I don't know what's going on there, but obviously it's John Moxley, it's Hangman Adam Page. I said before that we've seen these matches a couple of times, and to be fair to these guys, they beat the hell out of each other. It was ridiculous. There was barbed wire shots and chair wrapped in barbed wire and all kinds of craziness and they both bled and once again this isn't my kind of wrestling this isn't my kind of match like I don't really go in for deathmatch wrestling and that's certainly a thing that Mox prides himself on his, his, his deathmatch stuff and the people that loved it seemed to really love this match but for me it was just kind of like okay why don't you pull out a gun and shoot the guy that's how I am with those matches but I will say that I can acknowledge when those guys work really hard, when they're busting the backsides, when the crowds are into it. It's the same as the box matches and, and the Omega matches. I'm not the ma- most massive fan of that style, but wow, they've got fans that are. So serve those fans. Not everything has to be for me. I totally get that. And I hope that people listening to this understand that my criticism of, of a certain type of wrestling isn't me saying, like, oh, nobody should like it and that kind of thing. It's just a personal thing for me. We got a curb stomp onto bricks that was just sickening. We got, as I said, a lot of barbed wire chair stuff. We got some chain work. It was all very shocking. But none of it was as shocking as the finish in which John Moxley tapped out. Now, you don't get a lot of that kind of finish in AEW. People usually pass out from the pain. They usually do the Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13 thing. But I think to have Moxley tap out really means something, which is pretty cool. And it goes some way to repairing some of the damage that's been done to Hangman Adam Page since he lost the title. This show at times almost felt like a rebuttal of my criticisms when I was doing the preview. So it was really cool to watch them and be like, oh, they picked the, the correct person to, to win. That's pretty cool. They, they've, they're they setting people up. They're putting the chess pieces in place. So I'm quite pleased with what's been going on so far. A place where I think they have made a bit of a mistake is the TNT title, which was the next matchup. It was the King of Television Samoa Joe versus Wardlow. Now, this was pretty good. I'd say it was one of the weaker matches of the night, but... That doesn't mean it was bad, it was still pretty good. But they've also set up Powerhouse Hobbs as the next contender for the TNT title. Now, Wardlow won tonight by making Joe pass out to a sleeper. They did the whole three arms thing. I expected, you know, two arms and then the arm to stay up, like the old Hulk Hogan or the old babyface move. And that didn't happen, the arm went down three times, Joe was out, Wardlow won the belt. Problem is, they've, they've set up Hobbs, who's the number one contender for that title, and neither of those guys need to be losing that belt anytime soon so if you make Hobbs lose this contendership I think that's bad and if you make Wardlow lose I think that's also bad bit of a shame because like I said in my predictions you don't want to keep it on Joe he's going to be far more valuable to the Ring of Honor brand he means way more there because of the history but this is the one time I think they, they've made a mistake they should have just not had Hobbs already set up to be the contender next we have the tag title match where the guns the champions take on the acclaimed 
Team TNA, which is Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And they're against Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. This was a fun little four-way. Everyone got to shine a bit. Everyone got to do their signature stuff. Lots of near stoppages. Near curses from Danhausen. Satnam Singh getting into the ring and you realise just how big that guy is. It was much better than I thought it was going to be. Quite cool. It was fun. The guns eventually pinned Danhausen to retain their titles. And I just feel so sorry for the acclaimed. Because every time they've come out since they lost those belts, they've been significantly less and less popular. The crowd have been less and less behind them because I think they've realised the company aren't going to give them those belts back. Despite the fact that I don't think anyone was like tired of the rain. And to give it to the guns, I mean, I will get to where they give it to the guns for in a second. But it's just a bit silly. Like, I get that you want some real heat on people. The problem is that... That kind of heat, I don't think it works so much anymore because I don't never feel heat for the undeserving champions. I feel heat for the company booking the undeserving champions. And I don't even think the Gun Club are that undeserving. I mean, they're, they're just sort of there. But, like, they work hard. I've never seen them, like, you know, never bother. But to give them that in the middle of the Acclaim's massive title run and the big victory and the scissor me daddy ass being massively over and then being massive t-shirt sellers and stuff just feels like it really cut the legs out from under them. I don't know about anyone else. I mean, the guns kept the title, which is fair enough because as soon as they started to get into the ring for a post-match interview, some familiar music started and FTR walked out onto the uh, stage and they came down and they beat up the guns and they took the titles and they posed with them. And the crowd went crazy. And I think we can all see what's happening here. I think FTR are going to take the titles from the guns. And then I think they're going to enter a feud with the Young Bucks. Which is a shame. Because the rest of that tag division has been cooking along quite nicely. They've had, they've had some made-up teams, but they've worked out quite well. The Acclaimed have really got over. The Guns at least had something going on. Team TNA, best friends... It's very strange that now all, all of a sudden the trio titles are gone and now FTR are back and you can bet your bottom dollar they're going to be going there against the Young Bucks in a match that, let's be honest, should have happened when FTR were the ROH champions and the New Japan champions to like try and get all the belts on FTR. They didn't do that match. They should have done that match then. They're going to do it now and it's not going to mean as much. At least to me, it just seems a bit transparent. And finally, we come to the main event. The reason I bought the show, the one hour-long Iron Man match between Maxwell, Jacob Friedman and Brian Danielson. Now, I've made it very clear in the past that technical wrestling is my favourite type of wrestling. I like seeing holds and counter-holds and getting to the row, things of that nature. You'd think I'd love Iron Man matches, but that isn't the case. They usually lose the crowd and fans end up waiting until, say, the last five minutes to get invested because that's when they know the match is really going to end, the match is really going to be resolved. This can lead to massive stretches of rest holds and, and, and things like that, such as the massive headlock sequence that's in the Shawn Michaels-Bret Hart Iron Man match from WrestleMania 12. This match didn't do that. It told a story. It told a really good story. Both competitors ended up with injuries. Daniels was the shoulder and MGS was the knee. And these were worked on a fair bit. But they also told some really interesting like character pieces. Like, MGF would get Danielson in a submission hold and Danielson would just be laughing it off or, like, helping him put it on more effectively and then getting out of it. Or MJF would become dehydrated and then go looking under the ring to get some water. It was just full of little moments like that and the crowd were with it every second of that hour. I've never seen a crowd just stay with an Ironman match all the way through 
because of little bits and pieces. It's really well done. This really should also put to bed any kind of fear that people have that MJF is only really good in the microphone. He was excellent at wrestling. He did some crazy off-the-top elbows through tables and things. It was really good stuff. So, you know, maybe that's, that's a story that needs to be put to bed. He's really good. The time limit ran out and they were three pins to a piece or, or three falls to a piece, should we say, because some of them were DQs. MJF took some DQ losses in order to set up pins later, which was a pretty good strategy by him and suit his character. The crowd were chanting bullshit, and I was like, that's a bit of a, a bit of a letdown for the uh, for the live crowd, I guess. It was a really cool match, but it's a bit of a letdown to do it on, on a draw. And then Tony Khan apparently got into the headset to Tony Schiavone and told him to go down and tell them that there'd be an overtime sudden death sequence and it was quite fun because it's like it was pretty obvious this was going to happen but Tony Schiavone's really been all over MJF he's called him some horrible things justifiably so for his character but it was really fun to see him kind of being like he was really looking forward to being like oh no you can't have this because the moment that the match ended paramedics ran in and they were giving MJF oxygen because he was just lying on his back and Danielson who's in better shape obviously uh, in more cardiovascular conditioning is better, rather, because MJF was looking jacked at this show. So I don't want to say Danielson looked better, but he he was definitely being portrayed as like oh he's spent, he's exhausted. They had a little oxygen tank to to like revive him, and then it was said like oh it runs a sudden death. So he was already at a advantage because he'd had oxygen, and they started back off again. And I really don't want to ruin the ending because they did a few things where. They used every cliche in the book to make you think, oh, this is the end, this is the end. They're manipulating the referee, so this is going to be it. And then the final ending happened, and MGF came out on top in a way that's going to make it really easy for him to talk about how amazing he is and set himself up as the greatest champion ever and talk about how he beaten everybody's favourite wrestler. It's going to be brilliant for him. I don't think Danielson looked bad at all. I'm really looking forward to seeing where they go with him. I kind of want to see him versus Omega again. But a rematch would be quite good. Him him going to ROH would be also good, but I guess he's not going to go against Claudio, or Claudio rather. I always do that. So I can't see him going to ROH for a bit. But every decision they've made on this show seemed to be the correct person was winning. But then again, that doesn't surprise me. The problem is, it's never the wrestling that's the problem with AEW. It's been the storylines lately. Like the wrestling has always been good. I'm shocked that people were surprised that this had some really good matches on it. AEW pay-per-views always have really good matches on it. People are saying this is the best AEW pay-per-view ever for matches. And it was really good, don't get me wrong. I mean, like I said, I have no thing for the Bucks and Omega. They're not really my deal, but it was a good match. And I don't like death matches but it was really well done. If you loved that style, if you loved those styles, you're going to think those are four and four and a half, maybe even five-star matches. But crucially for me, I think that they've also made really smart decisions and they can go a lot of different ways with a lot of storylines. I really want to see what's going to happen with the world title. I want to see if the women's situation is heading towards a War Games match. Or, sorry, a Blood and Guts match. Same, same thing, but you know what I mean. I think that's where they might go. I think they're setting up teams. And I want to see where the tag team situation goes. Like I said earlier, I think it's going to go to the Bucks FTR. It was a great show. Everyone that needed to look good came out of it looking good. Nobody was really hurt by their losses. They just have different opportunities now. Except maybe Christian, but we don't even know if Christian is coming back. And that was a long time coming, that payoff, so it kind of had to happen. But I really think they're now starting to get, like, these are the stories. Get on board with them. You know, 
the guns aren't my deal, but I can see the story, so I'm fine with it. The key thing, which is a weakness that AEW's had, is to keep the momentum of these people going. You know, keep running with the House of Black, keep putting them in great trios matches. You can put together some teams, you want that kind of thing. If they can establish that level of consistency in storylines, as well as the high level of wrestling I saw on this show, I think AEW's in for a good year. So, those are my thoughts on the show. Let me know what you guys thought in the Discord or via Facebook. It'd be really good to hear from you guys. I've been Paul. That was Revolution 2023. And I'll see you next time.